grateful company of auditing mangas. Hello and welcome to the worshipful company of auditing mangas. Uh, I am Alan and let's see who sits next to me today. I'm very excited to learn about it. I am Gabrielle Emily Le Tonnelier Gabretui, better known as the Marquis of Marquis Marquis du Chatelet. Aha, ooh, it sounds very French, exciting, it's adventurous. very French and exciting. And she was an amazing woman. Aha, Gabrielle. Gabby. Gabby. Call Gab me, call me Gabby. Oh, Gabby in German. Gabby, Gabby. <laughs> Um, she was a physicist, philosopher, mathematician. Ah, come on. No, she was. Um, born 1706. Uh-huh. Didn't live long. Died 1749. Uh-huh. So, was that 43 she died? Yeah. Mm. Um, she was married to the Marquis du Chastelet-Lamont. Florent Claude. Florent Claude. <laughs> is his name. But... Her lover uh -huh. was Voltaire, mm -hmm. and they set up a house in Cercy Soublaise. I mean, sorry, I'm, my French is as good as my Slovenian. That's as best as you can get. And she translated um, Newton's Principia Mathematica. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And she's, her work was uh, the foundations of physics, so she wrote a whole tract Tractatus on uh, Institution de Physique. Mm -hmm. um, she was also very good at fencing and horse riding. And when she was with Voltaire, they had a place at Siri uh, Soublais where they both set up their own um, laboratories. So she had one wing of the house and mm -hmm. he had the other wing, and they used to do their um, research separately and then hung out in the middle bit together and drank wine and, and drank wine and talked about philosophy and she was quite a woman she was also fluent in latin italian greek and german mm -hmm. cool and why don't i know nothing about her that's why i'm here to tell you about her <laughs> she is she's amazing a lot of women in, in especially in the sciences get written out because of the patriarchy and, yes. and all this bullshit but she is An amazing woman. Okay. But I am actually Scott. Okay, Gabi slash Scott. Um, today uh, I uh, want to continue on my um, uh, Americas, Mesoamerica, South America um, journey, you know. And um, last time, as before we did the Slovenian podcast, uh, the, the one before we talked about Peru and the Andes. And the uh, Aztecs and Incas. And today I want to tell you about the Olmecs. Olmecs. Uh, but most importantly, I want to talk about the agriculture developed in Mesoamerica. Mm -hmm. Mesoamerica is the part, is Mexico uh, and Northern Central America. So this is the part I'm going Are to they, talk the Olmecs about. and the Umecs? Are they they're two different? Sorry. I just get all my Mesoamerican uh, history from The Simpsons. So. Just take away, it's one of the... Uh, scientists argue if it's the mother culture of Mesoamerica or it's a sister culture, right. sister civilization. If there are more, there are more civilizations like the Olmecs, but we didn't find anything 
from them yet. Mm. But what is probably for sure is that the Maya have a lot of knowledge. Their knowledge comes from the Olmecs. Um, but I will get to that in a minute. I want to start with uh, agriculture mm -hmm. because we are in, in our civilization series and civilization heavily depends on stable resources, mm -hmm. as we all know. So we talked about salt and the salt and spices and lots of other stuff in the past. And I wanted to add one also very important uh Ingredient, ingredient to uh, human uh, life, and this is maize or corn. Um, I didn't before I did the, the research. I didn't know nothing about that because in German, corn is not such a. I don't know. It's not a visible uh, thing. Well, it is in Bavaria. There's lots and lots of cornfields, but they use it as animal animal yes, feed. Yes, that's what I mean. There are lots of cornfields in 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 Germany. Also in Slovenia, are shitloads of them. But it's not that your normal diet as human is so is so is so heavy on corn, you yeah. know. And um, so corn is mostly used is one of the not not one of the is the most used uh, um, uh, crop. crop in the world. Mm -hmm. All the world uh, depends on it, mm -hmm. and it's mainly used for to feed animals, but mm -hmm. also to fuel. Um, to make bioethanol in yeah. Germany, they make biogas out of it. Yeah, yeah, they do in the states as well. Um, it's uh, made into corn syrup, glucose, yeah, fruchtzucker yeah. to sweeten all sorts of things. Um, it's also eaten in uh, like cornflakes or polenta or mm. um, stuff like that. Um, and um, also, they make a bourbon whiskey out of it. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I was like, bourbon whiskey is made out of corn. I did not know. I, I don't know what I was thinking it was made out of, but maize or corn was surprising to me. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so maize, I will refer to corn as maize now, because this is the, tra this is the traditional name in uh, Mesoamerica for it. Uh, um, was created um, from the people that lived there, and it has quite a interesting story. But they, what they also did, they were the people that um, brought us tomatoes, almost all the squashes in the world, the peppers, and many beans. Beans. Were, beans were. Um, how do you say? Um, what long beans or the the? Just said many beans. Many beans. <laughs> so. Lots of the food what, what we eat worldwide today or what are like you know, peppers in India or mm -hmm. China are like the, the, the ground, the, the, the blocks for the cuisines in the world mm. come actually out of this center of the world. Yeah. Um, they, um, they say that an estimation is that the Indian, native Indians there developed uh, three-fifths of the crops that are now in cultivation um, worldwide and there's one um, thing missing from your list or did you say it is potatoes but potatoes come not from Mesoamerica potatoes come from Peru okay alright a little further south it's not far come on no I'm really talking about this central so, so define, America so define define the geography but where, where Mexico and northern central America okay so and this is another down to probably Ecuador or somewhere Mexico 
Mexico. And Northern okay. Central America. All right. Okay. And um, in our worldview, especially as Europeans, we have this like cradles of civilization that I talked talked uh, about before. We don't have um, Peru or Mexico on the top of our head. You know, no. we, we think about um, Mesopotamia and India or something like that, Middle East. But um, Mesoamerica actually played a huge, huge role in that. And all what they discovered in like thousands and thousands of years of trial and error um, was brought back to Europe after Columbus you know, connected those two continents together and the Spaniards brought it back and then the Portuguese and it got slowly introduced um, into the European uh, diet and then also to India and China and the rest of the world. Um, what uh, the Mesoamerican cultures also did, they invented on their own with no contact, even no contact to Peru because there were the mountains in between, so they were completely isolated and they um, invented also their own writing, their own astronomy, their own mathematics, and they also had a concept of zero. Mm -hmm. wow. They had a real, true zero, and they also invented calendar, uh, calendar systems that I will talk about later. Um, the, now scientists say that the cradle of everything is in southern Mexico in a place called o Oaxaca. Oaxaca or something. <coughs> it has a, an X in it in the sea and looks very Mexican. <laughs> Written down. Um, why was that? Because, um, as we learned, places with uh, very diverse uh, climate zones in a small area um, jumpstart human innovation, jumpstart that people like think about how what can we do here let's trade to the other place and make the most out of a small space yeah, um, interesting. so this is a in this area you have uh, high mountains you have rainforest you have dry savanna like areas and um, it goes from the sea level up to 9000 feet Cool. So you have. That's an, I mean, that's it a sounds a little really, bit like Slovenia. <laughs> no, it's it's really um, interesting theory to have if you have heterogeneous uh, environments and heterogeneous cultures that that really spurs on development of civilization and innovation and innovation. Yeah, yeah. that um, the whole idea of being conservative and wanting everyone to be the same and homogeneous. It's going to. Makes sense to me. I mean, from a dynamics perspective, mm -hmm. that stasis is death. So, um, and also the soil, the soil, well, the quality of the soil goes from very very acidic to very basic soil. And um, they lived also. They lived a lot of different uh, um, tribes, mm -hmm. but also furthered the you know the. Um, exchange between ideas one tribe had this idea tested this and the other one you know did that and then they traded with each other <clears throat> so in this region it said this is where the most of the development of the Mesoamerican agriculture took place and for instance what they came up with next to uh, tomatoes and peppers and squashes and many beans <laughs> Um, they just, you know, looked at their environment and um, um, the knowledge of it grew about time. For instance, 
uh, people learned uh, how to make agave plants edible. Do you know how to do that? Uh, agave is a cactus, isn't it? Yes. It's, uh, and it's very fibrous. I know you can make the clothes out of it. I can silk. You roast them. You roast them, sorry. You roast them. So they learned... Just trying to show off what I yes. know about agave. <laughs> they learned how to remove the tannic acid from acorns. <clears throat> so how to do that is you grind them into a powder and then you soak them. They learned how to make tongs to pick a spiny cactus fruit, uh, how to find wild squash flowers in the undergrowth and other useful things. And then they also, maybe they think this is how they uh, learned that um, the seeds, when they threw, threw seeds into garbage and they sprout the next year, this is maybe how they learn to like do this on purpose. Uh, you know? what, what, what time are we talking about? Uh, we talk about like um, 10,000 years ago. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, as I said, they uh, had then um, cultivated squashes, peppers, plums, and also probably the first cereal, a millet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then, uh, then 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 mice came mm-hmm. onto the plate. Um, the most, and still to this day in 2018, nobody can nobody knows how mice got cultivated, because um, we cannot find um, a wild ancestor of mice, mm-hmm. mice. Maize. That every scientist agrees on that this is the wild ancestor of maize. Okay. And um, there are two major um, uh, schools of thought. They fight with each other violently. <laughs> well, pistols and yes. Uh, um, one says it's uh, it's a cross um, cross breeding. With some grass, and the others say no. There were like tiny little, tiny, tiny mice husks, and people just learned how to grow them bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not because there is no wild, close wild ancestor. Nobody mm-hmm. knows. Um, the the thing is that this wild grass that is has the most DNA um, familiarity is a, a non-shattering grain, and non-shattering grain means. Um, the, the the husks don't open and it doesn't let out the kernels mm. and um, to say okay maybe there was like one mutation that make made it in a shattering grain but scientists discovered that there are that you need uh, at least 16 genes control this thing wow so it's not very likely that it's a spontaneous mutation um, right, so this seems to be yeah. in this camp that there's evidence for them cultivating it to be more Yes. Uh, this is a sorry about that. So nobody knows where mice comes from, but it's there now. Yeah. Um, the thing is that um, they also the Indians um, didn't were not satisfied with only one kind of maize. There are so many forms of different forms of maize there you cannot believe. They have like different colors. They go from like white till red, purple, multicolored, mm. green, big, small. And uh, each different variety is used for different things. Mm-hmm. And there is a real, as a people that, that are maize farmers there, they like select every, um, 
how do you say they 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 took they take the curls and select them and breed them differently and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's really um, very diverse. I've had very the, diverse. We've had blue corn chips, yes. which are actually purple. Yes. <clears throat> and maize cannot reproduce on its own, so that's why all the maize that you see nowadays or for the last six thousand years is all people did that. There is no wild maize so variety. Does, does it? Is it hand pollinated, or how does the how, how does the pollination process happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there I a pollination process? I mean, yes, there, yes, there is one, but I don't didn't write it down. But it doesn't happen through bees or moths or correct little animals. It cannot happen on its own. So it has to be all... human needs to do something. They all have to hand yes. pollinate. Yes, they need to do that. Yes, and this has the shattering and non-shattering genes and it's all very complicated and it's really amazing that people 6,000 years ago somehow worked this out and, you know, made it yeah, happen. And now the world thrives on all of the beef, all of the, the cows, the well, everything is like, and it's like depends on maize from this little Osaksa or Aksa region. Mm. Um, yes. This, as a maize is really the, the main thing the in the world. The world's biggest crop has to be hand-pollinated. They are probably... I don't know, I'm just, I'm just thinking, you know. It's, um... I don't know. <laughs> I'll look it up. Look, Google I'll, it. You I'll Google it. You Google keep, it. You keep talking, I keep I'll talking, it. you Google it. Okay. Um, the other thing that the uh, Indians... Um, I call them Indians, maybe it's not politically correct, but you know what I mean. Um, what they invented to go along with their um, cultivation of plants is very is something very also amazing. Um, they didn't just put every um, plant they wanted to grow in a separate field. No, they looked how to how to how grow the wild varieties in nature and then they um, recreated that and what they uh, recreated is called a milpa a milpa a milpa and I will tell you what a milpa is in a second <coughs> so uh, 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 uh. so a milpa Why is it not written here? I can tell ah, you. Yeah. Ah, yeah, 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 I have it. Okay. Um, a milpa is a field, uh, usually but not always recently cleared, in which <coughs> farmers plant a dozen crops at once. This is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Including maize, avocados, multiple varieties of squash and bean, melon, tomatoes, chilies, sweet potato, uh, uh, amarat, mukuna. Mukuna is a tropical legume, whatever that is. Legume. Legume, what's that? Legume is a sort of plant that... The, I think the roots are really important. <laughs> the roots are really important. Something you can <coughs> beans, beans, and yeah. those sort of things. Okay, because they saw <coughs> in nature wild beans and squash often grow together in the same field, and uh, as teo, teosinte, teosinte is one of the grasses that is cl close related to maize. 
Um, the beans uh, using the tall teosinte as a ladder to climb towards the sun. Below the ground, the beans' nitrogen-fixing nitrogen roots provide nut nutrients needed by teosinte. So the milpa uh, is an elaboration of this natural situation. Um, unlike ordinary farms, which involve single crop expanses as, uh, of a sort rarely observed in unplowed landscapes. So in the milpa, uh, the crops that are planted there, um, um, you know, the, the, the nutrients they need are provided by the other plants that is also grown there. And it's like a, it has like multiple levels to it. There's a ground plant and then there's a middle and then there's an upper plant. So, um, you don't have like dep depletion of soil and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So this, um, was a, an, an innovation that spread widely to the Americas, even up to the pilgrims when they had their first in New England, when they landed and, and uh, planted their, their, uh, started their agriculture, they also used the form of a milpa to grow that. And then modern humans came along and started with mono, uh, monoculture and now everything is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, this is what I wanted to say. So they are very, very inventive, very, very good, and they still um, harvest the fruits of their... Uh, discoveries. So did you find out about maize? A lot of interesting stuff. Okay, both corn plants have both male and female flowers on each plant. Uh-huh. Okay. The tassel, I don't know there's this long tassel fiber thing which contains the male pollen in there. Um, that's the male that is the male flower and the ear which is the ear of corn, the, the, the main fruit mm -hmm. is the female part. And they're distance apart from each other on each individual plant, combined with the, uh, so much pollen, um, explains why um, they're cross-pollinating in that the, they blow from me. They're not pollinated by insects, but they, 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 mm -hmm. the pollen will transfer f from one to the other. So, uh, so as far as I can tell, they, there is hand pollination being done. But a lot of it is just from this cross-pollination from one to another. But all of what you see, all of the, the, the corn plants that are known for the last five to six thousand years are all human-made. Yeah. So it's not a natural, probably, yeah. not an... Also for sure, the varieties we know today are not They're natural. They're like bananas who are, who are, are sterile. And yeah. They, And they're human-made because they were... Yes, like you told me that already, but it sounds so so crazy because well, a banana is such a, such a fruit that you associate with, I don't know, it's the jungle. Most, it's the world's most popular fruit and it was man-made from two subspecies. That, and at the moment, there's a huge... And I know this had nothing to do with corn, but it's yellow. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, this variety... Um, they're under threat at the moment. There's a fungus that is, is killing off the world's bananas, especially the Cavendish, the world's most popular banana. Oh, no. And there's no nothing they can do about it, so they're looking at genetic modification again. Mm -hmm. So there's two sorts of genetic modification, which it gets into this is the sort of thing that they did with... We've always been modifying 
genetic, genetically modifying plants. The yep. corn has been humanly genetically modified. Yep. And so anyone who goes off about genetic modification, it's like, yeah. So, But there, there are at least two sorts of genetic modification. One where you um, release a suppressor in a gene. If there's a gene, the gene already exists in, for example, there are four genes in, in the Cavendish banana which are being suppressed, so it's really difficult for them to fight off the, um, the, the fungus that's attack, attacking them. So they're breeding um, ban- varieties of banana which will mm-hmm. remove the suppressant. So it's there. So they're not splicing in any new material. But it's still genetically modified. Mm-hmm. It's not the original strain. Um, and that's typically just speeding up evolution. Mm-hmm. So it's the same process that through random processes... Um, you would you would get the same effect. Yeah. The other sort of genetic modifications where you actually splice in genetic material that wasn't originally there. So, and this whole picking corn varieties is the the, the first sort where you're p- you're picking ones <laughs> that are expressing a particular gene with properties that in the phenotype is actually mm-hmm. useful, and you're speeding up random evolution by. Not natural selection, but human selection. Same way we get dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same way uh, we get dogs. Anyway. And cats. And, and cats. Po- yeah, and cats. Cats too. Yeah. Someone told me that the gepard is the only wild cat that can be domesticated. That's a cross between a jaguar and a leopard? Or no, a gepard is a, gepard. Is a... I don't know what the English word for gepard is. It's a nice-looking cat lives in Africa, I think. Okay, it's not a hybrid then. No, it's a, it's its own species. Mm, okay. and Gepard. It's, yeah, and that's the only thing that can be domesticated like a cat. So yeah. And the cat actually, the house cat actually is not domesticated. Mm. In the, this view, just allows you to <laughs> to live in its space. Yeah, to live in its space exactly. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Back to corn. Uh, I'm done with corn. I just want to say how amazing corn is because I didn't know that. Amazing. Amazing. And um, yeah, that like lots of our life, even if I say I don't eat <coughs> processed food, mm. I don't eat like stuff with corn sugar in it, I still might drive a car or be in a space where they use like, um, you know, bioethanol or. Um, biogas to heat stuff or yeah also you can make um corn um, stuff made out of corn is also used for a lot of chemical processes mm-hmm. put in plastic and metal legierungen and so there's also a lot of use in the chemical industry so it's an extreme i don't know magical magical thing actually that you can use for all sorts of things yeah Yeah, and one of the people that invented this corn thing were the Olmecs. And the Olmecs were... um, uh, Nobody knew about them till basically 1939. 1939? Yes. When they were discovered by accident because a guy, an adventurer, stumbled upon uh, big sunken heads in a swamp... (gasps) Was in it Indiana the, Jones? Like Indiana Jones in the Gulf of Mexico in a place called Veracruz. And 
yes, so the Omics were around, we think right now, at least 1500 BC till 300 or 400 AD. And I will read you a little bit about this guy that stumbled upon them. You should give a yes. acknowledgement for the book. Yes, one. yes. So the book I'm, I'm quoting extensively is uh, from Charles C. Mann and it's called 1491 and it's the same book that I use for my Peru research. It's a very interesting book. He also wrote a book 1493 or 2 um, that uh, talks about uh, the Americas after uh, Columbus arrived and this is mostly about what happened before Columbus arrived. So, okay, travel with me to 1939 um, when the Olmecs were discovered um, by chance. And the guy who discovered them was Matthew W. Sterling. So, um, and they found so his guides, so he was like on a, a um, scientific uh, expedition there, and his, his uh, guides um, found something and wanted him to, wanted to show it to him. And then they found this in the in the um, swamp, and it was very hard to get there and to get something out. Um, so the task was very uh, was daunting, even for a, a cigar chomping, whiskey drinking adventure addict like Sterling. Uh, most of the mound centers were in the middle of a trackless mangrove swamps. Um, or um, up narrow unmapped rivers choked with water hyacinth 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 ticks and mosquitoes were everywhere and present in huge numbers the ticks were were worse worse than the mosquitoes stealing remarked because they had to be dug out of the flesh with a knife Jesus Uh, at one point stealing and a colleague hitched a ride on a pepper truck to one of the smaller sites Uh, after jolting down a road with deep ruts designed to test the very soles of motor cars, the two men were left off in a nondescript meadow. Stirling went to talk with the driver. The ticks are not bad, are they? I asked him, hopefully, viewing the tall, tall grass and underbrush between the road and the mounds. No, said the driver, beaming. When full, like grapes, they fall off and no harm is done. There are millions, millions of them, however. <laughs> So, imagine uh, back then there was no uh, no notion of anything you could put could put on your body to prevent them. But even if you had Autan or something, I bet it would not have made any difference. So those early uh, adventurers really um, went for it, you know. Mm. <clears throat> with like not so good cars, no Land Rovers, no cranes, yeah, they're still, you know, unmapped, no GPS, no cell phones, no nothing. Well, it reminds me of the, the Humboldt stories yes. of human in South America and it's yes. just hardcore. Yes, super hardcore and then, you know, find something, lift it out. You maybe had, they had already, um, uh, could take photographs, but it was not like putting your cell phone and take a quick picture, you know, so. Each picture counted. Um, anyway, so they won, went into this in those swamplands and found those big heads, huge heads, stila, is, is, um, um, stone stila, steel, stones, stela, st- 
stone things, big stone blocks. Yeah. Carved in the shape of a head. No, and also just stone stealing. I don't know, how do you call that? A stealer. What, like a... a, a, a I don't know. <laughs> a big... Uh, I'm trying to think of asterisk. That obelisk used to... Obelix used to... Minas. Just a big piece of stone. Yes, a big piece of stone. stone. Yes, a big piece of stone with with writing on it. Yeah. Or depictions of animals like jaguars and stuff like that. And uh, uh, big heads they found, with big I mean really, really big. They are now found up to date, I think, 39 of those. Um, They are six feet tall and um, each one of those uh, um, heads has a distinctive look. Also they are have uh, individual features on them. Right. So they are really like portraits of someone. And all of them were like athletic gear helm-ish things, yeah. or what we now interpret as like an athletic gear helm. Yeah. They are made out of volcanic basalt and weigh up to 10 tons each. And um, nobody knew about any of this, the people only knew about Mayas and Incas and Aztecs, and now they're finding this other stuff that is clearly much, much older. And this is where this um, notion of uh, comes from that the Olmecs are those mysterious, um, uh, is, this, is this mysterious culture that popped out of nothing and then vanished into nothing. Um, because no predecessors uh, are known to this day. All right, we are back. And where was I? Olmex. 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 So they are popped up mysteriously because we don't know anything about... um, Pre cultures that predate them. Also, it's very hard, like in a swampland, that you know anything stays that we can find today and do something useful with it. Um, but um, historians now believe that um, Olmecs were this Olmec culture was a quantum change in this regard that um, a lot of other civilizations took their discoveries and their culture and did something with it. Yeah, um, so it was very important, either mother or sister culture. That is where they where they don't agree on, um, you know. But they are the shit, basically. Um, they um, had a very civilized and sophisticated uh, civilization that uh, reigned from 1800 BC till roughly about 350 uh, AD. Um, They lived in a very diverse climate, on sea levels, on lakes and in mountain areas. They um, had writing, astronomy, mathematics, uh, and they did a lot of art. Um, So we know the heads, but they also did a lot of other statues that were very naturalistic-like. So just maybe put into Google uh, Olmec and art, and you see the super cool stuff that they came up with. Um, they did a lot of um, stuff with um, animals. Um, their um, main animal that they used in art were, were jaguars. 
lot of rare jaguar type things where like a half person half jaguar um, is depicted also a lot of uh, fetuses are this are yeah for some reason fetuses and people with uh, body deformations okay um for instance lepra or people with thyroid uh, conditions mm -hmm. or missing limbs or stuff like that were, were uh, depicted in their art um, also, they like to show uh, pathologically obese people <laughs> in their artwork. Nobody knows why. Um, yeah, but totally into hipster-like body-changing, uh, body-forming stuff. Um, they, um, it's believed now. We don't know. We just, you know, make make a theory based on what we see that. Um, the physically deformities um, are where a status of where a, where, where a way to present a high status. No, oh, really. Um, because in the high class, so it was not a bad thing. It was actually a good thing. Um, they we believe that they um, um, put big stuff in their in their septums. Yep. Like people do nowadays again like nose rings nose rings and also septum rings like you know between here and here like a lo lot big stuff big, yeah. they had big stuff in their earlobes oh, they uh, changed the the they they filed their teeth wow and um to be long and narrow and what they also did to be like the jaguar to be like a jaguar they um they uh, changed the shape of the skull. They changed the shape of the skull of uh, especially high-class newborn babies by um, binding small flat pieces of wood. That's what the Central Asian yes did to newborn's well. forehead and that pushed the soft infant bones um, up and make them longer and higher than normal. Um, carved deep groves into their teeth and. Pierce, pierce their nasal sept, septums and all of this stuff. Um, it's also believed that um, the richer you were, the more stuff uh, you put on your body with clothing and jewels. So mm. you looked like a rich uh, American <laughs> rap star. <laughs> Bling. Bling. You blinked yourself out to the max. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that the the peasants, normal people, were only wearing sandals, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. And the higher the status, the more feathers and jewels and stuff up your nose you put. Now we get back to the, the binding of the head because yeah. the the Mongols, well, the, the people from the, the steppe used yeah. to do that as well. And when yeah. they were first in the first encounters the of the Huns, Did that. yeah, and when they were encountered in the West, they were described as being like monsters mm -hmm. and everyone said oh yeah it's because of their skin but uh, maybe they did look like aliens because yes. they had very long skulls that, yeah. like foot binding in in japan and china yeah um they, they bound people's the, the infant's heads when it was still malleable and and made it into very weird shapes so these people had very strange heads it's interesting that it, it occurred somewhere else independently mm -hmm. and also those those tribes in, in somewhere asia where they where the women have like those long rings their necks yeah. and stuff so oh. it's just one of those things you know when people have enough time don't worry about food because they have maize <laughs> and peppers and tomatoes yeah. 
and beans and squash. So is this this is your theory about how hip, hipsters evolved and, and yes, I body, mean you see it right now. I mean you know, all of the body forming things were totally gone during the last I don't know eighty years mostly mm. in Europe because there were two wars and then there were you know the civilizations the, the countries need to get back into. Shape. Too much work to be done. Too much work to be done. And then, you know, and now, in the last 10 years, and it, everyone has a tattoo, and lots of people also have, like, big stuff in their earlobes. And, yeah. you know, the, the young people, almost everyone has their septum pierced now. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's it comes and goes in waves. There's nothing new under the sun is what I'm saying to that. Yeah. Yeah, so um, besides uh, fashion uh, contributions, <laughs> uh, they also came up with very interesting timekeeping solutions. But before I come to that, I want to mention that um, like the um, like the uh, like the Incas, also the Mayas and the Olmecs, they find uh, in 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 those sites they find uh, wheels. Because um, wheels did not, they did not use wheels. Yeah, they find also here toys that have mm -hmm. wheels, and um, still people are baffled to this day why nobody came up with this is a toy has a wheel, make the wheel bigger and do something like not even they say they didn't use wheels because the the the, the, um, the earth is not made. You know, there's this is swamps and and high grass and stuff you cannot there is no use for a cart you yeah. know and also they didn't have they didn't have horses they didn't have big animals that could like you know be in front of a cart mm. what do you pull they pull something yeah um but they could have come up with a solution of like grinding stuff on a wheel but they didn't Hmm. It's one of those things, yeah. Um, so the wheel actually was only used in um, for 4000, 4000 BC. Mesopotamia came up with the wheel and put it to work, but in uh, Americas they didn't do anything with the wheel. What can you do? Yeah. Put it on the wall and look at it. Yes. Call it art. But also, what they say, Mesopotamia came up with the wheel 4000 BC, but Egypt even. The people in Egypt, they traded with Mesopotamia, so they were in contact with them. Mm. But it took 2,000 years for the wheel to get used in Egypt, for instance. So technique, you know, methods are not always, like, interchanged. So the Mesopotamians were early adopters. Yes. Everyone else goes, why do you need that? Yeah, what do you need that for? We've got 20,000 slaves yeah. to carry this thing. Yeah. Another thing with, with, with this transformation or with, with how people come up with things is the is a plow, is the Y-shaped plow. Mm -hmm. um, and so, sorry, this is, I find this super interesting. Um, the plow, the Y-shaped plow, That is that you can with a, with, with a extremely less physical force mm -hmm. plow a field. And it was invented in the third century BC in China. And it was made out of cast iron and it 
completely trans transformed the productivity of Chinese uh, farmers. And in, in the rest of the world, nobody came up with a solution. So they, 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 you know, they, I don't know, they spent like hours and hours and days and years and centuries on the field sweating like crazy and didn't come up with a V-shaped plow. Mm -hmm. Only when they saw the Chinese designs, then they adapted it um, 2,000 years later. So it is what it is. So these guys invented it as well? Is that what no, no, I'm just saying that the transformation of also innovation and coming up with so solutions oh. are, and different, it's, you know, either you have a genius or you don't, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Okay, timekeeping and calendars. Do you know anything about Maya calendar? Do you have heard anything about that? Yeah, well, the world's already ended a, about a decade ago, according <laughs> to the end of the Mayan calendar. So 2012 the, was the end of the Mayan calendar, and that's when the world ended, and that's why we're not here anymore. So actually... <clears throat> that's the limit of my scientific yeah. knowledge of this. So actually what they did, the Mesoamerican mathematicians and astronomers, they did not invent one calendar, not two calendars, but three calendars. They uh, had the normal calendar that we also have. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the 365-day secular calendar. Then they have the 260-day sacred calendar that uh, takes the orbit of the Venus as like some point of reference. And then to, to um, match the two of them, to like match the two of them, uh -huh. you know what's what, they invented, and this was genius because I think no other culture did that, they invented a long count calendar that starts 11,811 uh, million... <laughs> long, long time ago. <laughs> so they say this is the first day of the world. When the world was created at this was on date. the eleventh of August three thousand yes, 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 eleventh of August. Yes. Three thousand one hundred and fourteen BC. Yeah, this is when Mesoamerica said this is when yeah. it all started, whatever it was. And this long count calendar um, counts every day since then. So it cannot end. It's not an ending thing, it just mm -hmm. it's a fixed starting point. Um, and they With this calendar, you can sync the um, secular and the sacred calendar against each other. That's what I'm saying. Yes, and they have this true zero. And they have the true zero. The true zero. Which was yes. on the 11th of August, 3,114 BC. Correct. They didn't have a wheel, but they had a true zero. There you go. Do they have a... Do you know anything about their, their mythology or their religion? Yeah, different... Mesoamerican cultures had different uh, religions. They had the war gods and the, the, the jaguar god. Do they have any like creationist that. myths? Uh, I'm sure with myth. the jaguar god. Especially if you've got a, a specific... the sun and stuff like that. Because I'm, if you've I'm got sure. a specific date. Yes, but they don't have anything like Jesus or Mohammed or something no, like that. No, no, no. No, no, no. They no have it's like, not monotheistic. No, no. They have like the normal creation stories like like Aborigines have yeah. or stuff like that. 
Yeah. And they've got a date when it started. They have a date when it started. Yeah. Cool. What's actually cool. So yeah. we have a reference point. Which is actually sooner than the fundamentalist Christians have that the world is 6,000 years old. Mm -hmm. There we go. Actually, that might be close. If it's 6,000 years old, then it's 2,000. So th yeah, it's pretty close. They, mm -hmm. These guys think it's 5,000 years old. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So this, um, so a lot of the things I talk about or what I, what I researched is I knew so a little bit in the back of my mind from like a Hollywood movie or something. But it's not what's, what you think about the, evolve, the, the, the evolution of human civilization and a lot of things that we, that the world that we live in now is shaped also by things that were invented in Mesoamerica. Mm -hmm. This is my point that I want to make, you know, so. Especially um, corn. Especially corn. And yeah, so next time you eat cornflakes or drink a cola or a Sprite or anything like that, so that and for sure has corn syrup in it. Yeah, yeah. They use yeah. corn syrup. They use that and they use... Or polenta, like Italian, little Italian polenta and stuff like that. It all comes from there. Corn. Yeah. From corn. Sweet. Yeah. And from the imperialistic adventures of Columbus and <laughs> all of the other Spanish people. It's interesting about the wheel, though. Why they yeah. didn't. I don't know. I mean, it's got to be that If they had it and they didn't use it, they didn't need it. They didn't need it. Yeah. Didn't we talk about this before with the Peruvians that because of the, the mountain steps, or is this something I read somewhere? No, this is exactly the same. same. Yeah. Yeah. That it wasn't useful because of the mountains. Yeah, and also they had, didn't have horses. Yeah, exactly. Because they were horses. But they had llamas, and the llamas could The llamas go, could go up and down, down but you so cannot ride the llama, and llama cannot pull, pull. a cart. Yeah. Yeah, so they so didn't have big animals, useful animals to put in front of a plow or whatnot. But the other thing you said, there are other uses for a wheel, such as grinding. Yeah, grinding stuff. And they had corn, so... Yeah, you know. they could have come up with it. They could have. But they didn't. I wonder where they'd be if they had put two and two together. And yeah, but maybe it would have happened well. like 100 years later and... It mm. would have happened probably at one point. Yeah, it would have happened. Just needs time. Yeah. Time and randomness gives you everything. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, and also there were a lot of. Um, so they think now that the Olmecs got wiped out because of volcanic um, ca volcanic catastrophe or multiple ones. Yeah. Then when you have a vul vulca volcano explode and you know bury everything under. So when did they, they they left? What did you say? Three hundred AD or something? Between three hundred and four hundred. Yeah. Yeah, and then another culture took over, and you know they were busy yeah, with the war this, and enslavement. Well, speaking of, yeah, speaking of civilizations, and and when we we're doing this um, uh, Slovenian one, we have talk about various cultures I don't think it's ever a case that you know one culture disappears and another one suddenly shows up it's always going to be an emerging process where the lines are blurred and most likely one culture evolves into having different practices new people come in practices change and then suddenly yeah. the label changes whereas it's not like all of these people suddenly disappeared and were wiped off the earth and yeah. then someone else moved in it's, it's an evolutionary process where yeah. 
you have cultural merging and, and morphing into new um but in 4092-ish millions and millions disappeared yeah because of the smallpox and other diseases that got schlepped in by the mm. by the contacts with the Europeans yeah so like a lot of really really like high cultures just I, disappeared going overnight going back to what we were saying that with, when we were talking about this it wasn't that they brought the smallpox. No, the smallpox were already there, there from a Jamaican, uh, from the islands, like that are there somewhere, some tropical islands yeah. before in, in in front of Mexico. Yep, in the east. So in the yes, yeah. So yes, from a slave ship. Yeah, yeah, from a slave ship. Mm. And traveled there at the same time when the Spaniards were there, and that's why the Spaniards didn't encounter such um, strong resistance hmm. because they were already, already infected. They already infected, already half of them dead or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. And I'm sure they would have um, recovered over time on their own, like Europe recovered after the you know pest and yeah, the Black, the Black Death. And the Spanish uh, grippe, um, Spanish flu, flu, but with the added added uh, problem of like another continent invading you, you know, mm. yeah, you're lost. Makes it tough. Yeah, makes it it's tough. Like if you've got the gripper, you've got the flu, and you've got to go to work. Yeah, and you live in the Amazonas jungle yeah, with the ticks. Yeah, the ticks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. And then you cannot, you know. You need, I don't know, 100 people to like operate this complicated terrace system of fields with the irrigation and stuff mm. like that, and then 90 die. Yeah. Then that's that. You did, know? <laughs> did the Olmecs do any um, herding? Did they, they cultivate animals? They're in Didn't the whole Americas. That's the problem. Not a problem, but this one of the uh, significant differences to Europe is there are no animals mm. that can be domesticated. Uh, yeah. That's why this was also one of the major um, um, fortile, like why Europeans, one of the points why Europeans could dominate. Uh -huh. Is that they were more resistance to um, illnesses of because of the close proximity blah 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 in Europe. Of animals, they, yeah. they did and to animals to people and to animals. Yeah. They had animals they could and ride they on and they could use for meat. Mm -hmm. And um, also in your um, the the geographical um, the, the, the the geography in in the Americas is so that they are so many areas that are cut off from another big civilization because of mountains and rivers mm. and islands. Yeah. So the information flow was much more restricted right. than in Europe and Asia, Asia. Yeah. Uh, than the rest, than there. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Cool. Very interesting. Yeah, but you see, even so... If you have an isolated spot, still people come up with the same stuff mm -hmm. on their own. Yeah, so it's yeah. 
you know, the circumstances lot... change, but a lot of the issues, the problems yeah. you need and solving, this is like what eating, I find super, you, super cool, you, you know, you know, you have the same needs, so yeah. you so come the, up with the, similar solutions. So it's an inherent drive in humans to <clears throat> find stuff out, find patterns, find solutions and make war yep. and have a God or multiple have ones a God. and then put jewelry on their bodies. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to, you've got to have the garden. You've got to bling up. Yes, <laughs> and then tell everyone that their gods and their bling is shit. Yeah, exactly. And then fight wars. Yeah, there you go. It's fun being a human. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was uh, my view to uh, other parts where civilization jump started um, than the usual Mesopotamia story. I hope it was interesting. That and sounded very interesting. I say bye-bye, Gabi. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>